0: This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call...
2: The Riley and
0: Kimmy Show! The Riley
3: and Kimmy Show! And welcome to this cartoon alternative kind of day. That's that's right, we have a cartoon here in the studios for this special Saturday kind of program. My cartoon is right next to my left side. Kimmy! I got one name! Kimmy! Hello
4: everybody! Hello everybody! Everybody. everybody! everybody! everybody, everybody, everybody. <laughs>
3: Hi there. I'm your host, Patrick Riley.
4: You weigh 163 pounds. You are a very stupid fellow and not likely to succeed.
3: Hey, hey, well, that's true. Uh, Yeah, on some of those things, most of those things right there, 100% accurate. But somebody who is not anything like that, she doesn't weigh 163 pounds. No, she weighs far less than that. And she is successful. And she's also something else. She's a And she's dancing in the studio. That's our Super Freak, our cartoon. That is Kimmy. Hello, Kimmy. Hey. Hey there. How are you today?
5: Great. It's Saturday.
3: Yes, it's Saturday. And for those who are old enough... Those who are listening to the Riley and Kimmy show that remember Saturday mornings used to mean cartoons, right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. On the networks, the big three back way back when. If you're curious what was playing on a certain Saturday morning, a certain year, you can find out we have an entire list of cartoons that you hold cartoon grid going back when they started in the 50s, right when they quit in the 2000s. We have that entire lineup available right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. And you can see where your favorite cartoon, where it, where, what it went against. What weren't you watching? That might be the big thing. I mean, maybe maybe you're one of those that actually watched Valley of the Dinosaurs. Well, there were other things on instead of Valley of the Dinosaurs. Give what, what is your favorite all-time Saturday morning cartoon?
5: Oh, well, I have a bunch. I got Scooby-Doo.
3: And wait a minute. Let's put live action in there, too.
5: Okay. Um, Penelope Pitstop. All right. And... Um... Scooby-Doo... Oh, Josie and the Pussycats? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, of course, Land of the Lost.
3: Okay, there you go. That's just some of those things you will find on that list of those special Saturday morning shows. Is there one that stands out that was the worst that you avoided at all cost. Oh, boy. Something um, that you absolutely wouldn't... I mean, if it came on, you couldn't change that channel fast enough. Oh... Wow! O- on Saturday morning cartoons. Saturday morning. Yes, yeah, Saturday morning um, cartoons, that is. Was there something that you were like, oh, no, not that? Oh, gosh. Now, for me, it was the 1970s, like five, but they ran it forever, was the Ghostbusters. Uh, the original Ghostbusters with oh Forrest Tucker, who was an F Troop. And, and, and you know, I can look at it now and kind of enjoy it, but back then, I, I, I just didn't care for it at all. Hmm. The minute I saw that thing, it was like, g- give me that – I I had to run because we didn't have remote control. I was the remote control in the house. Uh And I was like, get that off my TV.
5: Yeah.
3: But I used to actually watch two Saturday morning shows at the same time because I had my own little uh, black and white portable television. Yeah. And I'd have it, both of them at the same time. What was that? What do you mean? I'd watch two different shows at the same time. Which two? Well, it didn't matter. It'd be anything. I could be watching Run Joe Run and something else. I mean. Yeah.
5: Run Joe Run. I like that too.
3: Boy. A whole bunch were naming here. And Groovy Ghoulies. Got you can't you don't remember the Groovy Ghoulies, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the monsters and no. No, okay, well you can find all those. And of course, and of course staples that eventually were aired at other times besides Saturdays, like uh Space Ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Space Ghost. Frankenstein Jr. Did you ever see that? No. Oh boy, Kimmy missed out some really uh, really good thing. And wait a minute, Kimmy's all time favorite here, Hong Kong Fooey
2: Yeah n- no number
3: one super guy. No. Can 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 you sing that theme for us? Hong Kong Fui number one super guy. Hong Kong Kong Fui number one super guy. Okay, well, uh, if you want to relive all those, you can. We have, and by the way, you know, before I forget, uh, at an upcoming Riley and Kimmy show appearance, Kimmy will sing certain themes like that. I can. Yes, that's right. Uh, she will sing. She also does, Im, you know, impersonations and stuff like that. That's right. <laughs> Just go to our Facebook page to find out where we will be next. If you're not following us on Facebook, hey, what's what what's the deal? Be sure to do that. Tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show that offers a daily, you heard right, daily pop culture show. We talk about everything from uh, yesterday, you know, nostalgia stuff and current things as well. Correct, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah, you know, stay informed, stay in tuned and connect with us. And you can take us anywhere on planet Earth. We are on iHeartRadio, iTunes, and SoundCloud, just to name a few. Celebrity interviews are available on our website that we've done. Also, pop culture information and archived episodes all the way back to number one. You can find all of those things on our website. What is our web address?
5: RileyandKimmy.com
3: Find archived podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com Com. Pop Culture Escapism The Riley and Kimmy Show.
0: The Riley and Kimmy Show.
3: Shall we play again. That is a big question on this Saturday Cartoon Alternative kind of day. Does Kimmy want to challenge her cartoon brain? That's right. To challenge it by going back in time with the thrilling days of yesteryear. Some pop culture trivia. What say you? Yeah. The timeline has been adjusted. We have to warn Kimmy of that, especially for those who have never played this before. You're playing with Kimmy. That's right. You're, you're playing with Kimmy. She believes in time travel answers. She is in your past. You are in her future, and she believes you two can communicate. A temporal telephone opens up, and somehow mm-hmm. answers come to her. It's a timey-wimey thing. Yeah, it's one of those. So, you know, yell at, shout at, or whisper to whatever computing device you have the Riley and Kimmy show playing on right now. And it could be anything, because we are mobile. We are global. <laughs> it was on this date, Kimmy, a certain movie... Came out, we're looking for the year it came out, within two years, and identify the film. We have multiple clues if you need it. Tell us the year it came out, two years, plus or minus, and the name of the film and its director.
0: What if I take off your head? Will you know then? (laughs) Stop
3: that. What a regrettably large
4: head you have. I should very much like to hat it. Hat it? Yes. I used to have the white queen, you know. Wasn't very much to work with. Poor dear. Her head is so small. It's tiny.
6: It's a pimple of a head.
4: But this. What I could do with this monument. This orb. Nay, this magnificently heroic glow.
3: Can you tell me the name of the movie? Alice in Wonderland. Directed by whom? Tim Burton. And what year was it released within two years? Ooh, 2012? You get it within two. It was 2010. And tell me who the star of that was. Who played the Hatter, the Mad Hatter? Johnny Depp. Correct. Correct. Moving to an awards show, Kimmy, the first People's Choice Awards happened on this date. What year, within five years, did the first People's Choice Awards happen? 1989. The first People's Choice Awards was 1975. Let's see how you do here, identifying some of the things that won, okay? Okay. Favorite motion picture actress? Any guess, 1975, who would that be without an audio clue? Oh, Meryl Streep. All right, you're wrong. Tell me who it is.
2: Memories, like the of my mind. Misty water
3: The year's 1975. Who is the winner? Barbra Streisand. Yes. Now we move to favorite motion picture actor. Any guess who that would be? 1975. Hmm. 1975.
5: Yes, 1975. Oh. Uh, wow. Richard Dreyfus?
3: Here is your clue.
0: Donovan. Tom Donovan. Think you can make it, Pilgrim? Hey. Pilgrim, you're going to need a couple of stitches. Whoa, take her easy there, Pilgrim. Well, don't fret about that, Pilgrim. Like I say, Pilgrim, you can eat here till you get back on your Well, Pilgrim, Ransom Stoddard, attorney at law. You're a persistent cuss, Pilgrim.
3: Any guess who that is, Kimmy? Well, Pilgrim, I think that's John Wayne. And he said Pilgrim a lot more than that. I mean, uh, we could play Pilgrim cuts for probably a half hour. Okay. In, in multiple films that he did. A lot of them were in the movie um, Who Shot Liberty Valance. Okay. Next category, Kimmy. 1975, Favorite Female Television Performer. Who would it be? 1975. Mm,
5: 75. Um, Carol Burnett?
2: Rock. Rock. oh,
3: rock. oh, rock. oh rock. uh oh no kimmy who is it oh mary tyler moore yes for the mayor probably for the mary tyler moore show not dick van dyke though right
5: right yeah 1975 although
3: oh mr grant well will you do that at our upcoming oh, appearance sure okay maybe reenact scenes from mary tyler moore or the dick van dyke show with kimmy who, who wants to play Maury Amsterdam's character? Yes. Okay. Or who wants to be Mel Cooley? There, yeah, yeah. Or Sally. Sally. Anybody can be Sally. Okay. Moving over to the next category, 1975, Kimmy. Favorite male television performer. Who is it? 1975. Male
5: performer on TV? Um. Ooh. Um. Hmm. Kojak. Totally Savalas.
3: Here is your clue, Kimmy. You want to see agitated? I can be aggravated,
4: infuriated, frustrated, vexated, and irritated. No, I'll tell you what I find upsetting is being in here. I want you to get me out of here. I don't care how you do it. You can put me on a plane, on a train, on a bus, on a slow boat to China. I'll go out on a mouse-drawn chariot.
2: I don't care what.
3: Who is that, Kimmy? The favorite male television performer, 1975. Alan Alda. Yes, Favorite television comedy program, the year 1975, what is it? Mass?
2: So it's their fault that
0: you call them those names? It ain't my fault, Meathead.
2: <laughs>
0: What's on the idiot box? It's only an idiot box if an idiot is watching it. <laughs> so don't peek. I need your friendship. Uh, what do you guys. got circled here? Oh, your local big Pat guy. O'Brien and a Newt Rockney story. Again? <laughs> Ah, by time has come waltzing in, where the hell you been anyhow?
6: We got back in time, he's still in one of his good moods.
3: Kimmy, can you tell me the name of the TV show? It was the favorite television comedy program, 1975 People's Choice Awards.
5: All in the family.
3: Boy, the way Glenn Miller played.
2: Songs that made
0: the hit parade. Guys like me, we had it made. Those
3: were the day. How do you feel about favorite motion picture, Kimmy? 1975. 1975. Jaws? Here is your clue. I'm kind of curious how many people ended up having to take piano lessons because of this movie. Because some family member said, I want you to play just like the, the movie, just like this movie. Kimmy, can you identify the film? Well, that's not Jaws. No, it's not Jaws. What is the movie that was the favorite motion picture, 1975? The Sting. That's correct. Marvin Hamlish's uh, tune. There. Did you have to play that in piano? No. Okay. Lucky you. Moving. I had to play it on bells you know the exonophone kind of things that was before they kicked me out of the band yes i was kicked out. i'm not uh, kidding i remember that's that-
5: after you uh came up from the block
3: no actually that was before i ended up on the block that's oh. how i ended up on the block actually was we had to perform that or you had to individually perform this they were going to perform it you know big you know in a big performance mm-hmm. thing and uh it didn't happen because well it didn't happen for me i ended up i think at that concert i was on the triangle not sure there was like four concerts before I was totally bumped out. Um, triangle, uh, the block of wood, the cymbal. I got to play that. Just, Did you ever play the kazoo? Uh, I have played the kazoo, but not. But I wasn't part of the school band with the kazoo, though. No, they didn't. That didn't
5: probably qualify. I was as a Kimmy, instrument. I,
3: well, Kimmy, I was a percussionist. That's mm, what I was. You know, yeah. percussionist. Block of wood. Me, watch out. You give me a drumstick and a block of wood. Whoa.
5: About a cowbell.
3: Uh, actually i played that on the fourth time i think it was oh, okay. it was it, it was one of those how it worked out i don't remember which was first i did play the cowbell
2: All right. and the
3: riley and kimmy show has a cowbell and if you would like me to play something on an upcoming appearance hey just let me know it might not be identifiable but i do have a cowbell mm. or if you prefer the block of wood and the drumstick look out right kimmy mm-hmm. maybe you can sing you know you can accompany me with whatever we do sure be a band about as bad as it was on uh like Green Acres. I don't know if you remember the Hooterville Band. That was just plain. Mm, That was plain. No. Horrible. We are looking for the year, Kimmy, we will give you a plus or minus of 10 years that this was adopted as the American National Anthem. When did that happen? And tell me who wrote The Star Spangled Banner? Who wrote it? And what year did it become adopted as the American National Anthem? What is your answer for who wrote it? Francis Scott Key. That's correct. Now, plus or minus of 10 years, when was it officially adopted as the American National Anthem? 1910. Ooh, you're smart. You you realized I thought you would guess in the 1800s but you are smart it is the 20th century when it happened it was 1931 mm. when that happened the song was originally known as a poem and it was called Defense of Fort McHenry the year is 1887 this person begins teaching a 6 year old a 6 year old blind and deaf student by the name of Helen Keller tell me who the teacher was and Sullivan very good. I bet you've seen the movie with Patty mm-hmm. Duke. and yeah, Yes. Called The Miracle Worker. Mm-hmm. Fantastic film. We're looking for the year, Kimmy. Let's just see how well you know your, your state. And I don't mean your state of mind. I mean the state you live in. And that's not confusion. I mean the state called Florida. Florida became the 27th state of the United States on this date within 10 years. Tell me when that happened.
5: Hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 1890.
3: Kimmy, it was 1845 when that happened. We're looking for the year, Kimmy. We will give you a plus or minus of 10 years. Mount Rushmore is dedicated. Can you tell me when that happens? 10 years, plus or minus? Um, 19... 19-
5: Forty-five.
3: Let me 10 to 10. Ooh, so close. 1933 is when it happened. Please tell me the four presidents that make up Mount Rushmore.
5: George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Teddy Roosevelt, and um, Thomas Jefferson.
3: You got it. We're looking for the decade. Judges say, not year, decade. The first issue of Time Magazine was published. Was it the 1920s? 1930s, 1940s, or 1950s? 1930s? It was
5: 1923,
3: the 20s, when that happened. It was on this date,
0: 1945. This is a job for Superman. Up, up,
3: and away! It was a job for Superman and Batman, because it was on this date, 1945, Superman encountered Batman and Robin Ford the first time on radio. They got together. It wasn't just a movie that that happened in. We have those original episodes back-to-back where Superman encounters Batman. They're available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. They're fantastic to listen to. They're safe for all ages. Little ears can hear this. And fantastic voice work. You have Bud Collier as Clark Kent, Superman. Safe for everybody. you know somebody who loves comic books or you just want to escape for a little bit in the world of fantasy... Those are available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. The year is 1956. This person's first hit in the Billboard Top 10 happens, Kimmy. Identify the hit record. Well, since my baby
0: left me, will I find a new place to dwell? Well, it's down at the end of Lonely Street. that...
3: Can you tell me that hit? Heartbreak Hotel. Heartbreak Hotel. Where I'll, be? Where I'll be just a lonely baby. Well, I'm so lonely. I'll be just so lonely, I could die. And who had that hit? Elvis. That's right, the year's 1966. Ten years, ten years later, and there's something a little bit different in sound. Music has changed. A certain rock group forms, Kimmy, identify the name of the rock group. Here's a hit of theirs from 1967, their biggest hit. It reached number seven on the Billboard Hot 100.
0: There's something happening here. But what it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me i got to beware Think it's time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down
3: Very few people know the actual title. It's called For What It's Worth. Can you tell me the name of the band? Ooh, I uh- Come on, that's a classic 60s tune, Kimmy. I
5: know.
3: Buffalo Springfield. Wow. 1966, they came to be. 1969, Saran Saran testifies in a Los Angeles court that he assassinated whom, Kimmy? Robert Kennedy. That's correct. Moving somewhere else on the timeline, the year is 1985. Women Against Pornography award its Pig Award to a certain diaper company. They claim... That the TV ads for the diapers had crossed the line between eye-catching and porn. What diaper company got the award? The Pig Award.
5: Wow, I have no idea. Pampers.
3: No, it's Huggies. Huggies. Huggies got in trouble. That was, uh, or at least uh, did with the Women Against Pornography. That's nineteen eighty-five. Hmm. Do they still run uh, diaper ads? I uh, I don't know. Um, I don't watch daytime TV. I don't either. I I. I don't even record anything on daytime TV. I would assume they do. Okay. The I I don't don't want to know either. I was just kind of you know kind of curious there a little bit. I don't want to see him. Alright, the year is 1985. This TV show premieres identify the TV show.
5: Addison, my
7: god. Do you know what this means? We're ahead. $2,035 and
1: 76 cents in the black. We made money. The first money we
7: made money we've made that sounds so much nicer than money we've spent or money we've lost get your hand off my behind but you get
2: serious
3: can you tell me the name of that show moonlighting Tell me the two TV stars from Moonlighting, if, you know, when they made their debut, it was on this date, 1985.
5: Sybil Shepard. Yes. And Bruce Willis.
3: Yeah, yes, that's right. I cosplayed as uh, Bruce Willis uh, many years ago at a radio station function. Mm-hmm. Somebody, that was like one of the first cosplays, things. Mm-hmm. Not counting the Elf, I had to do at a radio station promotion many years before that. Well, and, and, and Superboy, I did.
5: And fairly recently, you've also... Um... Oh, cosplayed I... as one of his characters in one of his movies.
3: Yes, Sin City Hartigan. Mm-hmm. I, I did that not that long ago. You can see that photo. That's available on our Facebook page. Also, our website at rileyandkimmy.com. The year is 1999. We're going to the music world. This single is released. It reaches number four on the Billboard Hot 100. And number one on the Billboard Hot R&B hip-hop songs. Identify... Who the recording artist is
2: never seen the moon glow like this never seen the waterfalls like this never seen the lights on like this never dug anyone like this never had this to live through kids never had someone to miss never heard a song quite like this oh,
3: to have you girl. Fortunette is a single that's released by whom 1999 I don't know that one that's maxwell the year's 2005 this recording artist releases his album the massacre it would get the 2005 Billboard award of the year Grammy Award nomination for best rap album of 2006 here's one of the singles from it identify who the recording artist is
2: you think like
0: it ain't to win shake, shake, shake that girl Your mama show me how you Put your back into it. Do your thing like it ain't going to wait. Shake, shishi, shake, shake that girl's party. Everybody
5: stand up.
0: Everybody put your hands up. Let's party. Everybody bounce with me. Some champagne and burn a little greenery. This is Disco Inferno, let's go! you now rocking with a
3: pro. Disco Inferno, off of that album, The Massacre, that was released on this day, 2005. Who is the recording artist, Kimmy? Ooh, I'm not doing well. Don't, no, no don't, guess. Don't know that one either. His name deals with money.
5: Um, fifty cents. You
3: are right.
5: You er, got fifty cents.
3: Yeah, well, yeah, you got it right. There you go, Kimmy. You, you got it right. Yes. The year is 2008. This person releases her debut album called Rock Fairy. It wins the 2009 Grammy Best Pop Vocal Album. Here's a single from it. Identify who it is.
2: I don't know what you do.
3: Who is it, Kimmy? Amy Winehouse. No, it's not 2008. It is Duffy. Celebrity and notable birthdays. This person born 1847, Kimmy, he was an inventor. He invented this. Tell me who it is. <laughs>
7: Number you have dialed has been disconnected. This is a recording.
3: He created the device that uh, was associated with all those sounds. What's the device, Kimmy?
5: The telephone.
3: Yes, he is credited having the first U.S. patent for that device in 1876. He founded American Telephone and Telegraph Company, otherwise known as AT&T in 1885, born on this date, 1847. Who is it?
5: Alexander Graham Bell.
3: That's correct. And did he live into the 20th century to see how big his creation had become?
5: Hmm, I'm going to say no.
3: Yes, he did. He lived in 1922, died at the age of 75, would not have a telephone in his laboratory. He found it a distraction and a nuisance. Oh. Yeah. And you realize he was really interested in audiology, and that's how the phone came to be originally. Hmm. Tell me why this person is on the famous birthday list. Kimmy, born 1911, her name, Jean Harlow. She was an actress. That's right, an American film actress and sex symbol of the 1930s, had a brief career. That's because she died at the age of 26 during the 1937 filming of Saratoga. The film was completed using a body double, actually more than one, and released a little over a month after her death. The American Film Institute ranks her as 22nd as the greatest female star of classic Hollywood cinema. Next person born on this date, 1920, Kimmy. Best known for a certain television and film character, tell me who he is. Who was born on this date,
0: 1920? It's log, star date 3193.0. Chief Engineer Scott, recording. The captain and first officer are overdue and missing on the surface of Emeny R7. I have taken standard precautionary measures while we continue our attempts to locate them.
3: Kimmy, can you identify who that is? Well, that's. The actor that played Scotty. Yes, Montgomery Scott is the character. Who is the actor, Kimmy?
5: Um.
3: You're going. I, I, I'm No, over, I know. You know I, I know. don't believe in the Temple Answer thing, and you're getting yelled at, I'm sure. I, I,
5: I, I know I am. I know I am.
3: Okay, what are they saying?
5: Um. Okay, it's not Forrest to Kelly because that is Bones. Correct. Um. It is. Oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue.
3: Pull the tongue out and take a look. I know. Um, can I have his initials? You sure can. It's J.D.
5: Wow. Total blank.
3: James Doohan. James in. Doohan. Yes, born in the state, 1920, died 2005 at the age of 85. Tell me why this person is on the famous list. Jackie Joyner Kersey. I don't know. I don't uh, You don't recognize Jackie Joiner kersey No, I, I, I don't. That name nothing. Nothing fire. Nothing. Fires. She's a nothing, zero. There's nothing up here. Well I know that. But I mean with, with <laughs> I mean with with this name. Nothing. Okay. She's celebrating her fifty sixth birthday. She's a retired track and field athlete. She won three gold, one silver, and two bronze Olympic medals in those two events at four different Olympic Games. Sports Illustrated for Women magazine voted her the greatest female athlete of all time, and you don't know who it is.
5: Well, I don't like to run.
3: Don't like to walk.
5: I don't like don't, running.
3: Don't like to get up. <laughs> you, have a, you have a don't like big list, don't you, Kimmy? Mm. Yeah. Come on. All right. Well, at least she still likes to play pop culture trivia. You do, right? Mm-hmm. Going back to the world of music, me and birthdays. Tell me who this is. How old he is within five years. Little clue here from 1988. Number two hit for him.
0: Took that man and smiled and said, he had plans for the night. I said, hopefully if things go well, I'll be with you tonight. So we turned into a house. One thing led to another. I came to the door, I go hit the floor, looked up and it was a lover. I didn't know what to say. I was by a string. She said, hey you I was once like you and I like to do the wild bang.
3: Who had Wild Thing as a hit? Who's having a birthday today, Kimmy? Tone Loke. Correct. How old is Tone Loke today? Within five years. Oh 59. You miss it. He is 52 today. Next individual known for this TV show. Identify the TV show. Married with children? That's right. He was part of Married with Children. He played one of the children, Kimmy. Can you tell me who it is? Not Bud. How many times do I have to tell you? When the hat is on, I'm
0: street rapper Grandmaster B. When it's off, I'm Bud. Got it? Now, the hat is on. Who am I? the streets where everyone's meat guns in the night put you under a sheet can't love no one because he's on the run sleeps in the alleys wakes by the sun listen to the sirens thinking that for me it's a lonely life for grandmaster b yes a lonely life for grandmaster b
3: uh bud or grandmaster b whichever you prefer Uh, who is the actor who's celebrating a birthday Mm, can't tell you that one david faustino having a birthday how old is he within five years the guy who played bud 48 he's 44 today next person actress Film actress and television actress became known because of this TV series, Identify It, Kimmy. I know there's no... Can you identify that TV show? She was part of it from 1996 to 2003 and then again in 2006. Can you tell me the name of the TV show?
5: That doesn't ring any bells.
3: Uh, The TV show's Seventh Heaven. You remember that, don't you? I never watched that. Well, she was on Seventh Heaven. She's been in the films The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003. The Rules of Attraction, 2002, Blade Trinity, 2004, Stealth, 05, The Illusionist, 06, The A-Team, 2010, and Total Recall, 2012, and I can't forget Hitchcock in 2012. She played Vera Miles in that. Can you tell me who she is?
5: No, I Here's can't. one
3: more clue for you, Kimmy. She's talking about her famous, her famous husband who just performed... Halftime at the Super Bowl.
5: Not really. I kind of, I kind of just leave, leave him, let him do his own thing. He's always he's with his band and his amazing dancers, choreographers, um, backup singers, and they have an, they have this really moving prayer circle. And then they he has this, he gave this really very moving speech, and then they kind of all just take a deep breath, have a moment to themselves, and just blast out of the doors and yeah. do their thing. I just sort of step back and let it all happen.
3: Who is it? Who's having a birthday? Jessica Biel. That's right. How old is Jessica today within five years, Kimmy? 39. Uh, Jessica Biel celebrating her 36th birthday today. I see dead people. Notable deaths, famous people, celebrities who died on this day, Kimmy. 1959. This American comedian and actor dies from a heart attack at the age of 52. He was part of a comedy duo, actually the most popular comedy duo of the 1940s. Tell me who it was. Tell me who passed away on this date, 1959. I don't understand this. You, you start asking
0: for 50 cents and I give you 40 cents, I give you 30 cents. Ah, right, but you got me on me.
1: How can I own have 50 cents? All I got left now is 10 cents. That's all I got left. Yeah.
3: Can you tell me who died, 1959? Lou Costello? Yes, 52 years old. That's all he was when he passed. Yes. The year is 1966. This person dies of a heart attack at the age of 79. Actor and performer. He played on two television shows. That's what he's remembered for. One of them being this one. Tell me the TV show, Kimmy. All my sons. He was on the black and white years. Or of, my three sons. Yes, he was on the black and white. <laughs> he was on the black. Yeah, I, Something like that. Yeah, my three sons. Okay. Uh, did you say all my sons? Yeah. Okay, well, I, look, I, I don't I, know. How oh, I missed that. My three sons. All my
5: children, my now, three sons. This is different than uh, all my children. He wasn't on mm, all my children. Yeah. He was
3: on my three sons, me The black and white years, the early years of the program. But before that, he was on another show, Identify the TV show. <coughs> I Love Lucy. That's right, he was on I Love Lucy, and he's known for playing the character Fred Mertz. Tell me who passed away on this date.
4: How about $10? What was the matter with $10? Don't look at me, ask Ethel. do I care what kind of clothes I wear just to fix the plumbing. Besides, these remind me of the days when I was a gay young blade. While strolling through the park one day,
3: Can you tell me who that is? Oh, I can't remember his name. Come on, Kimmy. His name flashed across for the uh, My Three Sons. It was on I Love Lucy. Come on, Mm -hmm. tell me. Vivian Vance did not like him. She was upset she was cast next to him. Gail Storm would have been who she was cast against, except he was tied with our Miss Brooks, was in trouble with the studio, and Desi had to vouch for him, and Desi warned him give up the bottle while we're recording and don't cause fights because he used to like to fight and stuff Mm. him and Broderick Crawford like to fight with people on stage or behind the scenes and stuff I can't retain his name his name is William Frawley who passed away in 1966 he did release an album Kimmy that did it had some pop action back in 1958 it was called Bill Frawley Sings the Old Ones one of the singles Everybody Loves a Baby
2: Everybody
0: Loves a Baby Everybody loves their baby, that's why I'm in love with you. Pretty baby, pretty baby, pretty baby, pretty baby, and I'd like to be your sister,
1: brother, dad, and mother, too. Pretty baby. Pretty baby. pretty
4: baby, pretty baby, pretty baby, won't you come and let me rock you in my cradle of love, and we'll cuddle all the time. Oh, I want a lovin' baby, and it might as well be you.
3: Pretty baby of mine. Uh, yeah, it's not Pretty Baby, it's Everybody Loves a Baby, that's Bill Frawley. I bet you'll never see Fred Burt's the same now, or... Hearing the same, correct. Mm. Mm -mm. By by the way, do you want that album, Kimmy? No, thank you. Too bad. You have it on your MP3 player now, as we speak. The year is 1987. This actor dies at the age of 76. He starred in 17 movies: Wonder Man in 1945, The Kid from Brooklyn in 1946, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty in 47, Inspector General in 49, Hans Christian Andersen in 52, White Christmas in 54, and one I think you have seen, The Court Jester in 1956. Can you tell me? who it is who passed away 1987. Here's an audio clue.
0: Ralph Faulkner was the fellow I worked with and we got this routine down to such a speed that Basil said well maybe you ought to have somebody do that and they brought in a fencing double Mm -hmm. and the fencing double couldn't do it at the speed that the teacher was doing it at so the teacher finally had to dress in Rathbone's clothes and we did it, I did it with him Rathbone is in all the uh, the uh, shots that Where we have a double shot yeah. There is one shot Actually where uh, He is stumbling over And that you need a double For, for that anyway <clears throat> yeah. So um, It's kind of interesting to see Now in this part of the film That I think you're going to see I was under a hypnotic spell And when they snapped <clears throat> I would become The greatest swordsman In the world yeah. And when somebody snapped again I didn't know anything About fencing at all So From one snap to another, one snap to another, I would become either the most marvelous swordsman you'd ever seen, or I didn't know anything about it at all.
3: Can you tell me who that was? Mm, No, I can't. Kimmy, I'm kind of surprised there. I thought you'd be able to identify him. He was a lifelong fan of baseball. He was a big fan of the Brooklyn and Los Angeles Dodgers. Matter of fact, recorded a song about them. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G,
0: D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 oh, I say O-M, O-M-A, O-M-A-L. O M A L L E Y, oh really? No O'Malley. Sandy Colfax, oh my! Drives there, Maury Wills. I love you so, and we defy, defy the J I J I N J I N
3: T J I N T S
2: Giants.
3: Can you do it, Kimmy? He was one of the most energetic individuals on screen, in my opinion. Can you tell me who it is? Mm -mm. It's Danny Kaye, who passed away on this date at the age of 76, 1987. For those who are older listening to the Riley and Kimmy Show, you might remember him on television. He had his own show from 1963 to 1967 called The Danny Kaye Show. Very smart person. Loved to fly. Became jet certified. He could fly and did fly everything except military craft, Kimmy. That is Danny Kaye, who passed away on the state 1987. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job. You weren't too distracted on this Saturday Cartoon Alternative kind of day. Not too bad, huh? No, not bad at all. We're going to go back in time and honor something we talked about on trivia with the Golden Age of Radio. Radio We mentioned just a little bit ago that inventor Alexander Graham Bell was born on this date, 1847. We have a fantastic golden age of radiobiography about him. This is not audio lifted from a film. This is a true independent radio production starring Donna Amici as Alexander Graham Bell. He did star as Alexander Graham Bell in film. That's why I'm stressing it's not the audio from the film. It's a, It's an independent production. Co-starring with Don Amici is June Dupre, fantastic production, great example of the golden age of radio, please be a little bit forgiving for the sound quality, it wasn't recorded with the best of equipment over the course of time, matter of fact, was not even expected to last, they would just record these for, you know, not even to archive them for a period of time. Here's our tribute to Alexander Graham Bell, going back to 1945, Don Amici, on the Riley and Kimmy Show.
4: It's a wintry evening in Boston, 1873. On the top floor of the Newton Street boarding house, a little boy, deaf and dumb, is lying in bed. He is George Sanders. Though he can't speak, his eyes shine and he smiles broadly, for he's having visitors, his father and two other men.
7: There now, Mr. Sanders. You ought to be wide right awake in just a minute.
4: Thank you, nurse.
1: Oh, my boy, you're glad to see me, aren't you? Didn't you think I was coming tonight? How old is the boy, Mr. Bell? He's eight, Mr. Hubbard. He's been living here several weeks. That way I can work with him much more closely. He's never spoken a word. No, sir, never. He was born a deaf new. I came here tonight with Mr. Sanders because of what he's told me about you. About your being able to speak to his boy. I do it by means of this club. Club? Yes. You see, it has all the letters of the alphabet on it. I'll show you what I mean. Uh, George and I are going to talk, Mr. Sanders. It's amazing, Hubbard. Amazing. Now, just turn his head toward me. Look at that smile. Now, I'll spell out something with the letters on the glove. He's hes shaking my hand. Yes, that's what I asked him to do. Now, something else. He's nodding his head, yes. I asked him if I should tell Mr. Hubbard about our glove. Well, I began by teaching George how to spell simple words like C-A-T and then showing him a cat. <laughs> now, by touching the letters on the glove, I can talk to George almost as rapidly as I can talk to you. But I understood you were teaching him to actually speak. Well, watch this.
4: You see, Hubbard, the boy can't sound.
1: Tell me, Bell, have you ever succeeded in teaching a deaf mute to speak? No, but, but I have great hopes. I have a little girl, Mr. Bell. Perhaps you could help her. She had scarlet fever when she was four years old. It left a stone death. she learned to read lips perfectly, well, I'm but... I'm sorry, sir, but when I'm not working with George, I spend all my time on my multiple telegraph. Multiple telegraph. If it ever works, I'll be able to send 50 messages at one time over one wire. Get him interested, Alec, and, and your financial worries are over. Well, I'd be delighted to explain it to you, Mr. Hubbard. My rooms are just across the hall. I'm afraid I'm more interested in your work with the deaf. You'll have supper with us Saturday night. We'll talk about it. Well, I, I do oh, if you I... like beans. Boston baked beans. Oh, I hate beans. And besides, Come I, on, I don't... Sanders. It's exactly two and a half minutes past nine. Never mind, Alec. You'll have a fine chance to tell him about your experiment. Well, yes, but I, I just... Well, maybe if I brought my telegraph instrument along. Of course. I'll say goodnight to George.
4: Hey, what's going on around here?
2: Hey, can you see, mister? We're sleigh
7: lines. Better watch out. We sure go back down this hill.
4: And exactly where am I supposed to walk? I don't
7: know, mister.
1: Can you tell me which is Mr. Hubbard's house?
7: Down in the next block. Hey, watch out! Oh, hey, look out! Gangway! What, well, uh... Look you, out. you mean... Me... Hey, hey!
2: hey. Kid, look out! But oh, I can't! I can't! Oh. oh,
7: I'm very sorry, but I, I shouted.
1: Yes, I'm perfectly aware you shouted. You were all ten feet away going forty miles an hour, and you were thoughtful enough to shout at me. Thank you.
7: Oh, dear. The snow got down your neck.
1: That's a logical result diving diving headfirst into a snowbank. Are you hurt? Oh, no. Do you realize what you might have done? This box, you might have ruined the most important piece of electrical equipment in the city of Boston. Did I? Oh, no, I, I don't think so. Oh. The sidewalk is no place for sleds. Little children don't understand that, but it seems to me that a young lady, a grown young lady, would you have, have more.
7: Say, would you mind speaking a little more distinctly?
1: Madam, I come from a long line of elocution teachers. My father wrote books on the subject. I think I know when I'm speaking distinctly. Good evening.
7: I, I'm sorry, but you see. Good
1: evening. I... Oh, I thought I'd bring my apparatus along, Mr. Hubbard, just, just in case you'd like it explained. Yes, it uh, must be very interesting. Mother! Yes, Doctor. Yes, Mother, it's exactly 26 minutes past six o'clock.
7: A supper of a young time. we just waiting for the girls.
1: Uh, you'll uh, notice these tuned reeds, Mister Hubbard. They're made of flattened steel clock springs. One end of which is attached to the poles of these electric magnets, while the other end is free to vibrate over the other poles. Oh, come in, come in, girls. Uh, Mister Bell, these are my little girls. Your little? Oh, but I thought you had. This is
7: Gertrude, Bertha,
2: Grace,
1: and this one is Mabel. Well, I... oh, well, how do you do? Now, run along, ladies. Run along. Papa, time.
7: Oh, uh, Mabel. Oh, Papa's calling, Mabel. Yes, Papa?
1: Mr. Bell, this is the little girl I was telling you about.
7: Mr. Bell and I already met Papa on the street. I knocked him down. I'm awfully sorry, Mr. Bell. He makes
1: things, Mabel. He was telling me about his telegraph.
7: Oh, please go on, Mr. Bell.
1: Well, uh, I was just... Oh, you must
7: look at me when you speak, Mr. Bell. Otherwise, I, I can't see your lips.
1: Oh, uh forgive me. Well, when the steel spring transmits its electrical tone into the wire here, theoretically only its mate in the receiver should respond. And I'm sorry if I said anything out in the street to offend you, Miss Hubbard. Uh-huh. Oh,
7: but you didn't, and, and do go on.
1: Well, it's rather technical, and besides...
7: Besides what?
1: It may not work. Now, there's a realistic young man.
7: But it will work. I'm sure it will. Papa, supper's ready.
1: This is the third successive night that supper has been between three and five minutes late.
7: Coming, Mr. Bell?
1: What? Oh, yes, yes.
7: And I hope you like baked beans. Lots of baked beans.
1: Oh, I I love baked beans.
6: Did you. uh, Did you say something, Gertrude? I said you've brushed your hair enough. Now hurry up and come to bed. I'm
7: coming. Gertrude, don't you think he has a very nice face? Papa? You know very well whom I mean.
6: Mr. Bell? Oh, I thought he looked all right for a plain man.
7: His eyes, he he has such nice eyes.
6: They get all full of sparks when he talks. Oh, Mabel Hubbard. Gertrude, please. Well, I'll say this much. He certainly hypnotized Papa. Imagine our poppy putting money into into a telegraph, agreeing to pay for his experiments. Gertrude. What? Do you think he'll
7: like me? I
6: mean... I mean, if, even
7: if I can't... If I'm deaf... Oh, of
6: course he will. And that'll make him like you ten times as much.
7: Then I'm going to marry him. What? I knew it the minute I saw him lying in the snowbank after I knocked him down. But what'll Papa say? Papa? Oh, I'll just close my eyes and then I won't see his lips and I won't be able to hear what he says. Besides, Papa
6: mustn't know yet. Well, Mr. Bell's coming for supper again Monday night. That's what nobody must know yet. Oh, all right. I won't tell. But you've got to promise to tell me everything Mister Bell says and does. Everything. Everything. Mabel. Hmm. You know, if you hadn't married him, I would. Oh, Gertie. Gertie.
7: I think this is the nicest day we've had all spring, Mister Bell. Don't you?
1: Yes. Yes. It's. Uh, it's a very nice day.
7: It's an anniversary too. The first time you came to our house was the 3rd of December, and today is the 3rd of May.
1: Is yes,
7: it? I'm sorry, Mr. Bell, but you... You'll have to look at me or I can't see what you're saying.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. Whoa. Whoa, whoa.
7: Won't you tell me what's wrong? You've hardly spoken a word since we started.
1: Well, oh, Miss Hubbard, it's just that... Well, I, I, I've been thinking.
7: About your telegraph?
1: No. It's another idea. It's been rattling around in my head for months...
7: Would you tell me about it?
1: Well, it, it sounds kind of crazy, but... If I could make a current of electricity vary in intensity, as the air varies in density when sound passes through it, then... Then I could transmit sound, even speech telegraphically.
6: I,
7: I'm sorry, but I, I don't understand.
1: Well, what I mean is I could talk through a wire.
7: Oh, but that's not possible. Why That, that would be talking through a wire.
1: Oh, yes, that's what I said. There's a friend of mine who's going to help me, Thomas Watson. He's an electrician.
7: Mr. Bell, if you spend all your time working on this, how will you live?
1: Oh, I'll manage somehow. But don't think I'm going to use your father's money for anything but the telegraph. Oh, no. I'm going to work on this new idea in my spare time. That's trouble. See, it may take years before I get anywhere with it.
7: Yes.
1: I suppose I, uh, suppose I don't want to wait that long. There's so many things I want to do now. While I'm still young.
7: What sort of things, Mr. Bell?
1: What? I don't know. Wife, home.
7: Make the wires talk, Mr. Bell. The wife will wait. She will? Oh, yes, Alec. I'm sure she will.
1: Oh, thank you. that, that That's all I wanted to know. Uh, come on, come on, horse, get up. Get up. <laughs>
6: You've been, Mabel, it's after supper time. For the most glorious ride in the world. Oh, Gertrude, I'm so happy. Well, you better tell Papa you're home. Oh, so not yet.
7: I feel too good. But we talked so much and finally it got dark and Alec had to stop the buggy under the street lamp so I could see what he was saying. Well,
6: what did he say? Oh,
7: the most exciting thing.
6: He said it? He said that he loves you? No, not exactly that. Oh, then
7: what? Well, he he's going to invent something. Alec's going to make wires talk. He's going to make wires talk. But he can't say I love you. But he does, Gertrude. I know he does. Oh,
6: I know he does too, darling.
7: Alec Bell. Mrs. Alexander Graham Bell. Let's
1: try it again, Tom. Are those wires stretched
4: out? Yep. As far as they'll go. Well,
1: you stay on that side of the room with the transmitter. Start vibrating the Honestly, I'm no genius, Alec. I'm just a plain ordinary fella. I didn't go to bed at all last night. I like to sleep. Watch in a world, but you know, I... I've got to tackle them a piece of metal. Stop muttering. We may be on the verge of a great discovery. Only we can't make up our minds what we want to discover. Multiple telegraph or how to talk through a wife. Tom, me, See these brass strings? I can only find four. Oh? We are just enough money for five. Twenty-five cents each. Where's that other one? I ate it, Alec. You did what? I didn't mean to. I was just walking along the street, and then I saw that food in the window. I tried not to go in, but I just couldn't stand you it. You ate one of my springs. You took a last 25 cents to fill your miserable little stomach. Go on, get back the transmitter. Oh, yes, I did. I'm through stock. I'll go after the Indian territory. I'll live on Buffalo State. All right, go. You want me to keep this thing vibrating? Yes, yes. Furthermore, it was my money as much as yours. Wait. Wait. Uh, what? Don't, don't, don't touch a thing. I didn't do it. What did you just do? The string stopped vibrating and I just plucked it. It's like an old music. And it came through this wire. Well, this, 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 this contract, this screw got stuck and I, I just snapped it. You just, wh- while the circuit was unbroken? I suppose so. Then that strip of magnetized steel was generating its own current. Do it again. Wait, uh, no, no, wait, wait a minute. All right, now, do it now. It works. I heard it again. Tom, we found it. What? What we've been looking for. An undulating current. For the first time in history, we've sent sound through a wire. First time, nothing. What you should say is that this is the first time the right men have heard it and knew what it meant. Oh, what does it matter? We started to work on the telegraph, and now we're on the trail of the telephone. Telephone? What's that? It's an apparatus for transmitting the voice. It means sound from afar. Here, here, take this receiver.
7: Alec, where are you
1: going? Going? Well, I'm going to tell Mabel, of course.
7: Telephone. What's the matter? What's happened? I just
1: had to see you, Mabel. I've just discovered the... Mabel! What? Will you marry me?
7: Yes, Alec. Oh, you will? Of course.
1: Oh. Well, well, thank you.
7: I... I never had any other intention.
1: Mabel. Alec. What the...
7: Now that you've kissed me, aren't you going to tell me that you love me? Oh, please, I want to hear you say it.
1: I love you, darling.
7: It's so dark in here, I can hardly see. Here. Here, now say it. I love you. Oh, don't move, Alec. Don't even breathe. I, I want to remember this moment all my life, just as it is. And so do I.
1: I want to... Oh. What is it? Oh, well, I forgot to tell you. The telephone. I, I've got it, Mabel. I found a way to talk to a wire. Alec. That's what. I could ask you to marry me. Oh, i I, I got to go tell your father. Where is he?
7: No, Alec, no, no. He's in the library reading. Maybe a better way. Oh, no,
1: not me. I'll handle him, darling. You just want... Oh, uh, Mr. Bell. I'm reading a book, Mr. Bell. Yes, sir, I, I see you are. I allow myself 30 minutes with the classics every evening. In 40 years, I haven't missed three such evenings, except perhaps on my honeymoon. Have it, Mr. Bell. Set a regular time for everything and do it. Uh, yes, sir, but what I wanted to tell you was... Yeah, to... have a cigar. No, no, thank you. If you don't mind, Mr. Hubbard, Mabel and I <clears throat> would like to get married. Mabel and you? Sit down, Mr. Bell. Has my daughter accepted you? Oh, yes, sir. We uh, we love each other. Well, that always helps. Mr. Bell, may I inquire what prospects you have? Why, well, Don, I don't suppose I have any... Unless it's the telephone. The what? The telephone, Mr. Hubbard. This very night, just a little while ago, I made a very valuable discovery. I actually sent sound through a wire without the use of a battery. Sound without a battery? Before long, I'll be able to send speech. Before how long? Well, I can't answer that, but someday I know I'll make a telephone. Someday you are going to make a multiple telegraph. Well, I'm giving that up, sir. This is much more important. Mr. Bell, you have many virtues. On the other hand, you are emotionally unstable. Jump from one enthusiasm to another. Do you deny that? Well, uh, the telephone is more important. Yes, stubbornness is, is another failing. Waste your own time if you wish, Mr. Bell. But the sooner you stop wasting my money, the better. You can expect no more support from me.
4: And uh,
1: Mabel? What kind of a father do you think I am? Not only will you not marry Mabel, but you will not come to this house again. Mr. Hubbard, please let me show you what I want to mm, have. Twelve minutes after eight. I take a walk every evening. I should have been well past Hubbard Square by now. Would you care to accompany me? No. Well, in that case, good night, Mr. Bell. Good night.
7: Well, uh, Alec?
1: He doesn't even want me to see you, darling. Alec! Prospects. I haven't got any prospects.
7: Don't stop your work, darling. Don't stop it for anything or anybody.
1: But don't you see, Mabel, he's right. Your father's right.
7: I said once that a wife would wait, Alec. She still will.
4: Our stars, Donna Michi and June Dupre, will bring you Act Two of Alexander Graham Bell in just a moment. Now, Barbara is just starting to wash some stockings when.
6: Oh, darn, the minute my hands are wet. Oh, hi, Janie. Come on in. I can't stay a sec. I was just going downtown. Come on out in the kitchen a minute. I'm washing. Well, only a minute. Say, the other day I... My goodness, Dad, do you put stockings in with your wash? Oh, most of these have runs anyway. I wear them around the house. so I see. That's a butch you've got on. Oh, don't rub it in. Three days after I bought them. Where'd you get them? In that little shop on the corner of Main Street. And I'll never go there again.
7: Why, that's where I get mine, and I've had these... let's see. At least a month.
6: I guess you're just lucky.
7: Maybe. But if you don't mind my saying...
2: Hmm?
7: Well, it could be the way you wash them. What do you mean? That cake soap. Rubbing like that. You've got to treat stockings gently if you want them to wear. I always lux mine.
4: Barbara's bound to get more wear from her stockings, too, if she changes to lux. Perhaps twice as much. You see, strain tests have proved that stockings washed with lux flakes last twice as long as those washed with a strong soap or rubbed with cake soap. And these days stockings are often hard to get, so it pays to give them Lux care. Be sure to wash them after each wearing and dry rayons at least twenty-four hours. You will cut down runs, get extra wear from every pair with Lux. Here's Mitchell Lyson with Tonight's Stars. And now Act Two of Alexander Graham Bell, starring Donna Meachie in the role of Alec, and June Dupre as Mabel Hubbard. <laughs> passing weeks saw Alexander Bell give to his work everything that a young man has to give. His burning energies, his wild hopes, his last dollar, and his health. His reward was an ample and complete measure of failure. Worn out and dejected, he's come now to his friend Thomas Sanders, the father of little George, the deaf mute.
1: I told he wouldn't be back in town until today, so I took George and Nurse to your mother's place in Salem. How is he? Oh, George is fine, Mr. Sanders. But I guess it's better if he lives somewhere else than with me. I simply don't understand it, Alec. Well, I've just explained it all. But what could you do to be thrown out of your boarding house? It's what I didn't do. Pay the rent. You get a salary from me. You took my money, built up my hopes, and now you walk out on my boy. That is not so. You could have asked me for an advance. Again? No. Besides, where well Watson and I are living now, it's not a suitable place for George. That's the only reason I took him to Salem. Your mother's delighted, and I planned to visit him there every the other day. Forgive me, Alec. I, I had no right to get upset. Where can I find you? There's an attic over the Williams Electric Company on Court Street. Well. Cheer up, Alec. How's Mabel? I haven't seen her for two weeks. Her father doesn't want me at the house. Sometimes manage to me on the street. If I could only. If I could. And you work on the telephone? If I had any sense, I would have stopped long ago. I'm licked, Mr. Sam. Then give it up. You're killing yourself. Up till now, it's meant too much to me to stop. I'm giving it just one more month one more month. Goodbye. Goodbye, my boy. But you can't quit, Alec. You can't. I said I'd give it one more month Watson and I have. I've worked just as hard as I know how. Now I'm through and I, I don't want to hear any more about it. Well, what are we going to do? I saw your old boss. You can get your old job back anytime. And you? I'm going back to teaching the death. Does Mabel know about this? No. I'm going to write her now. Do we have any writing paper? Where would we get writing paper? Oh, here's a piece of writing paper. I'll write to her on that. What's the date? June 11th. Alec, listen to me. Will you please keep quiet? I'm trying to write a letter. Come in. Mabel.
7: Stay long, Alec. Mother's waiting for me downstairs.
6: Does your
1: father? Mother
7: doesn't know I came, and Mother won't tell her if I keep my word and stay only for a minute. Your your letter just came. Mabel, I Alec, you can't give up the telephone. It would be criminal.
1: Maybe, but my mind's made up.
7: You think if we love each other, that should be enough?
1: Well, it is for me, darling.
7: Well, it isn't for me, Alec. If you give up your telephone, I promise you, I'll never marry you. I mean it.
1: Yes, I, I think you do.
7: It's up to you, Alec.
1: Mabel, I'll never fear you again. Never.
7: Thank you, Alec. Oh, my darling. Alec, you awake?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What are you thinking about? Mabel. Me too. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we should invent the telephone and... Turned out to be the very thing that could make Mabel hear. If you knew anything about sound, you'd know that can't happen. How do you know? You aren't, God. I know because in the human ear, when vibrations strike against the eardrum, they cause tiny bones to oscillate. But in Mabel's case, the nerve current in back of those bones has been permanently injured. Even if sound waves cause the bones to oscillate, cause the bones to oscillate. Oscillate? Oscillate. Undulate. Tom. I've got it. I've got You've it. Got what? The ear. What ear? This. This. How let go of it. The ear we hear. Come on, come on, get up. We've got to get an ear. It may tell us just what we have to know for our receiver. Oh, you're crazy. Where are we going to get a human ear? Never mind, never mind, never mind. I can study about it. The principle of the anatomy of the ear. Only we'll use gold beaver skin instead of a membrane. And a piece of metal in front of an electromagnet instead of bones. And we'll use more batteries. A lot more batteries. Well, that's going to take money, Alec. Maybe you could get another advance from Mr. Sam. All right. Now. Now, we've got three already. And for less and less work with his little boy. No. Go on back to sleep, Tom. If I wake up in the morning with one ear Go less, Go to I... sleep. Alec, the window. Is that snow? Snow. Tom, you realize it's almost Christmas?
6: Almost Christmas. Dinner. A great big turkey.
4: I can even smell it.
1: now yeah, Dream bought one for me, too. If you can manage squeezing some cranberries and plum pudding. Oyster and chestnut dressing. Sweet potatoes. Maybe some pickled
4: peaches. Hey, anybody in there? Open up! Tom, Alec! It's me! Mr. Sanders.
1: It's Christmas Eve, boys. Come on, Tom, get your coat. My coat? You too, Alec. You're, you're spending Christmas with us out in Salem. Oh, oh we'd certainly like to, Mr. Sanders, but we, we've got a lot of work planned. Hit him over the head, Tom. We'll carry him oh, out. Never mind. Never mind. I surrender. Hurry <laughs> right, now. I've got a sleigh downstairs. Hello, Mama. We're here. Come on in, boys.
6: Come on Merry Christmas, son.
1: Merry Christmas. And this is Tom Watson, Mama.
6: Now, don't try to bulk, young man. I'm going to kiss you, too.
1: (laughs) Girl in my arms again. It's wonderful. Where's George?
6: He's still awake, dear, waiting for you. Alec,
1: before I go up to George, I have a little surprise. Look, in the parlor. Mabel.
6: Oh, Alec. Merry Christmas, darling. Mabel.
1: And Gertrude.
6: You couldn't come to see her, Alec, so Mr. Saunders arranged this. Father thinks we're in church.
1: Poor dear. Oh, there's a Santa Claus after all. There surely is.
6: Oh, you should have seen her when she got here, Alec. Loaded down with presents for everybody. Especially you.
1: Oh, you shouldn't have done that, darling. I'm afraid this year I haven't anything for anybody.
7: Alec. I wonder what's keeping Alec, Mr. Sanders.
1: Oh, he said he and George had a lot of things to talk about.
7: If... Is George anything? A little,
1: my dear. But I have hopes. High hopes. So have I. Yes.
6: Yeah. Here
1: now, Tom. Have some more cookies. Well, I don't know. I. Now,
6: don't you tell me you have a bird's appetite.
7: <laughs>
1: yes, ma'am. A vulture's appetite. <laughs> <laughs>
6: oh, look.
7: Look, it's Alec. Alec and George. Oh. Look over here. Alec, you mustn't bring him in here. He'll see his cousin and the trees.
1: Well, George and I have something that's more important. Everybody, keep quiet, please. Please keep quiet. I'm going to tell George something with alphabet glove. Alec, what is this? Quiet now. Go ahead, George.
6: Uh, uh,
7: is
1: he warm enough? Maybe I'd better get a blanket.
2: Push him make... Listen, Mr. Sanders. Uh, Alec. Uh, Alec. Take
7: Mr. Sanders if he wants you. George. My little boy. And you, Alec, you didn't have a Christmas present for anyone.
1: You all ready in there, Tom?
4: Go ahead. Talking into the transmitter. All
1: right, here I go. Ahoy, Mister Watson. I'm speaking to you on the telephone. Thanks to Mister Sanders, we now have all the acid and batteries we need. But can you hear me? Can you hear me?
4: Only when you yell.
1: Ahoy, Mr. Watson. This is Alexander Graham Bell speaking to you on March 10th,
4: 1876.
1: Ahoy. Nothing coming through, Alex. Well, stay there. I'll get some more of this acid. A
7: port
1: in... Oh! Tom, Tom, come here. I oh, want you, Tom. Hurry. Alex, it worked.
7: It talks. Tom,
1: Tom, hurry. Hurry, William, my leg. I heard you, Alex. I heard your voice. I'm burned. All the way in the other room. Through the wire, I understood what you said. What? You what? What did I say? Tell me. You said, Tom, come here. I warned you, hurry. Well, that's right. Well, what happened? What did you do? Sulfuric acid in the water. That made the water conductor for the electric current, transmitting the voice. And it worked. Tom is a success. It. Oh! Oh, my leg. Alec. That bottle of acid, it broke your britches. You're all burned. Your leg. Sit down. We've got to do something. I should say. So get me some lard and a pair of pants. Father, no father. I'm going to see
4: Mabel. Astounding new discovery. The human voice transmitted twenty miles from. It's Alexander
1: Graham's bell magical new instrument, the telephone, the time and space device.
4: Last night from Lyceum Hall, Salem, Alexander Bell spoke with Thomas Watson in Boston. Scores of reliable witnesses testify to science's newest miracle, Bell's telephone.
1: Incredible, incredible. Why well, the newspaper says that Mr. Bell claims the human voice can be transmitted as far as wires can be
7: stretched. And listen to this, Papa. On first hearing the telephone, the articulation may seem to be indistinct. But after a few trials, the ear finds little difficulty in understanding the words.
1: Yes, most interesting, my dear. But it's just like Mr. Edwards says. Mr.
7: Edwards? Yes,
1: the banker. He was present at the demonstration. Mr. Edwards calls the telephone a toy. His advice to his friends is, keep your money in the bank. Well, I suppose Mr. Bell is still in Salem making a show of himself.
7: No, Papa. He wants to see you. Alec and Mr. Sanders are waiting for you in the library. Uh...
2: Mr. Bell.
1: I was in Salem last night, Mr. Hubbard. I saw a history being made. It's the most sensational invention of the age. Talking wires. Imagine putting one of those things in your home for women and children to use. That's just what I hope to do, Mr. Hubbard. I've said nothing yet to Mr. Sanders, but since you gentlemen are my partners, I'd like you to draw up the legal papers forming the New England Bell Telephone Company. Did you say partners? You and Mr. Sanders put up the money for experiments. The experiments led to the telephone. I'd like you to share in the return. I gave you money for the telegraph, not the telephone. All I ask is that you help me incorporate. Mr. It. Bell, tomorrow morning, Mr. Sanders and I are going to have our heads examined just for standing here listening to such rubbish. If you don't mind, I've heard enough. Don't worry, Alec. If he doesn't have apoplexy by morning, he'll come along. Well, at least one member of the Hubbard family loves me. Excuse me, Mr. Sanders. I promise you, Mabel. Well, come in, Papa. Oh, thank you. Mr. Bell? Yes, sir? I've been standing at the front door waiting to see you leave. Papa,
6: please.
1: I please. said you might speak to Mabel for a quarter hour. You've been alone with her exactly 22 minutes. Excuse me, sir. 23 minutes. Mr. Bell, I've just done something I've never done before in my life. I've changed my mind.
7: Papa. You mean
1: Mabel and... and I... I refer to the telephone. Oh, maybe that I'll decide to give you a little, uh, support.
7: But, Papa, what about us? What about Eric and me? We're in love. We want to get married. Well,
1: you're both very young. Perhaps in two or three years, providing Mr. Bell's prospects improve, prospects again. Meanwhile, I, uh, I have no objection if Mr. Bell sees you at this home once a week. Mr. Hubbard, Mabel and I were talking. We agree there is nothing in the world to stop us from running away and getting married. No, Bell. Nothing in the world except my daughter's consideration of my feelings and what I choose to call your own self-respect. I see. I'm good enough for you to share in my invention, but I'm not good enough to be your son-in-law. That'll be enough, Mr. Bell. You're right, it will be enough. Mabel, darling, don't worry. We'll find some way out of this.
7: I'll always wait for you, dear.
1: And you, 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 you mean old man. I'll see you in my office tomorrow, Mr. Bell. And you'll see me in this house once a week. Just don't forget your promise. And now, whether your father likes it or not, I'm going to kiss you. Goodbye, darling.
7: Goodbye, Alec.
4: For 12 months, the New England Bell Telephone Company has been in business. It's still far from successful, but at least the 12 months have meant 52 visits with Mabel Hubbard, and Alexander Bell's a happy man. Quite the opposite of Mabel's father, who's glaring now at the telephone company's annual statement.
7: Just look at these
1: figures, Mr. Bell.
7: Look at them. We know them backwards, Papa. I'm talking to him. Do you
1: realize I've let myself in for more than $7,000 while your entire assets amount to. $107, telephone installs. With a net loss of $621. Now, exactly what do you intend to do about it? I've got it all figured out. I'm going to England. England? That's right, sir. I just had a letter from Sir William Thompson. He's sure he can arrange a demonstration of the telephone before Queen Victoria.
2: Alec.
7: He
1: says if the Queen installs the telephone in the palace, he feels sure the whole world will follow suit. Oh,
7: that's wonderful, Alec. Of course they will. And who's
1: going to pay for your pilgrimage to London? Well, sir, I felt as long as you had so much money invested already, you'd like to see it protected. Mr. Bell, I used to call you a fool. I apologize. You're a genius. I'm the fool.
7: Papa, I'm sure we can manage somehow. Did
1: you say we? Yes, Papa.
7: Yes, Papa. If Alec goes to England, I'm going to marry him and go along.
1: Maybe now, just one moment.
7: Father, I'm closing my eyes. I can't see a word you're saying.
1: Well, maybe you're right. Oh my goodness, Queen Victoria. Mm. Mr. Bell. Yes, uh, th- uh, Father. You may open my daughter's eyes. <laughs>
7: Excuse me, Alec. Tell me, tell me. Mrs.
1: Bell, you are now looking at a man who just spent 35 minutes with the Queen of England and no further from it than that. Alec. And what is more, Mrs. Bell, I sold her four telephones. In a few days, the whole world will know that Queen Victoria uses my telephone.
7: They'll make you think about going home, can't we?
1: Oh, darling. Don't you want to go to Paris?
7: Alec, this letter came while you were gone. It's, it's from Papa. He says that unless a miracle happens, he and Mr. Sanders stand to lose everything they own. Mabel. Somebody has started another telephone company Alec they they say their their telephone is much better than yours all your subscribers are cancelling
1: the letter uh, may I see it
7: here darling
1: a new company called the American Speaking Telephone Company has been organized with the backing of the Western Union Western Union
7: they've got millions of dollars Alec what can you do
1: do why fight them of course Fight them with everything we've got. Excuse me, I'll go make reservations
7: for I made them an hour ago, dear. We leave tomorrow. I tell you, Alec, it's no
1: use. We have no money. All right,
7: all oh, right. I've heard all I need to hear. Yes, and so have I. Saw
1: it's painfully simple and brief, isn't it? We have no more money and we can't borrow anymore. The banks laugh at us, Alec. Then there's no point delaying it any longer. Tomorrow, we will bring suit against the American-speaking telephone company, charging infringement of our patent. Fight a $40 million concern, Western Union. Alec, they'll get the best lawyers in the country. What if we lose? The court costs alone would we'll wipe us out. That's a chance we'll just have to take. It. Well, Alec, I was too young to fight the Civil War, but this looks like as good a fight as any to me. Yes, and just what are we going to fight with? The truth. Well, son, that's always been a pretty good weapon. Maybe more people ought to use it. Come on, let's find us a lawyer.
4: Bell since American Speaking Telephone Company, New York City, scene of trial. Defense counsel charges Bell obtained patents fraudulently. Bell to take witness stand today.
1: The counsel for the defense may proceed. Mr. Barrows. Your Honor, we charge that Alexander Graham Bell was not the first to invent the telephone. That the patents under which he operated were fraudulently obtained, and third, we defy Mr. Bell to prove that he was working on the undulating current feature of the telephone prior to February 14th, 1876, at which time, by strange coincidence, both Mr. Bell and one of the defendants in this case informed the patents office simultaneously. Now, it is not the intention of my client
4: to burden this on, also... oh. Then let me ask you this, Mr. Bell.
1: Is it not so that what you call the undulatory feature of the telephone makes the difference between a telephone that works and one that does not? Yes. That's the briefest answer we've had from you since this trial started. Now tell me this. Have you a shred of proof that you were working on the undulatory feature prior to February 1876? Only my word and the word of my friend's. I didn't have time to record my findings. You were not aware that five other men were working along similar lines prior to that time? No, I was not. Very well. You see these papers, Mr. Bell? What are they? I've already identified them. They're rough drafts of my patent application. Ah, yes. And isn't it odd that they refer in no way to the undulating current? I told you before, the features of undulating current were added later when I completed and redrafted my applications. Could they have been added after you filed the application? Certainly not. Then could you have gained access to the patent's office, copied into your application certain paragraphs from another application filed in the patent's office the same day as your own? Your question's insulting. I refuse to hear it. Answer me. Did you connive to steal the basic principle of your telephone, yes or no? Your
4: Honor, counsel for the plaintiff. In the name of decency, I protest against Mr. Barrow's insinuation. Your Honor, all I ask
1: of Mr. Bell is that he produces one single bit of legal evidence to prove his contention. But will he? No, because he hasn't any proof.
4: None exists. Mr. Bell, this court wants you to have every opportunity to establish your claim. If you have any proof, I want it here Monday morning. Until then, this court stands
1: adjourned. Alec, are you sure you have no papers, no sketches, nothing? Nothing that I know of, Mr. Sanders. I've done all I can do. I'm going home. Boston. I got a telegram this morning from Tom Watson. Tom can handle what's left of the business. It wasn't business. Mabel's sick. They think it's a mastoid. Mastoid? I don't know for sure. I've got to go to her. There's a train late tonight. Alec, there's nothing in the world I wouldn't do for my daughter. You know that. At least let me telegraph mother and find out if we're needed.
4: Mr. Vale, as your legal counsel, I must warn you. If you leave this child now,
1: you'll lose. I'm sorry. I'm going home. <laughs> you come here. What what's the matter? Uh, this came for you, Alec, at the hotel. Another telegram. Yes, from home. I was I was afraid to open it. Alec, if anything's happened. From Mabel. Oh, she's all right. Feel fine. Mastoid turned out to be minor ear infection. Mother and I are leaving immediately. Don't you dare leave the child. Love. Thank God.
2: Order in the court, please. Have I missed anything, Alec. What's happened?
1: Well, they were having a few minutes recess. Darling, you promised me you'd stay at the hotel. You're unwell, dear. Condition like that, it's still dangerous. Alec,
7: I'm all right. And I brought this. It might be the very evidence you're looking for. Evidence?
4: Did you say evidence, Mrs. Yes. Bell? Yes.
7: Alec, it's a letter you wrote me in June 1875. You said you were giving up the telephone. Please, let
4: me see it. Silence in the court, please. I
1: should say this is evidence, please. I have no intention Wait, of... Lo- these notes on the back of the letter. Excuse me a moment.
4: Your Honor, Mrs. Bell has just brought us the proof the defense has been asking for. Document the undulating current on which his telephone is based long before February 1876. All right. present it.
3: No,
1: that, that must not be read. Alec. That letter's between you and me, darling. It's part of our personal life. I beg the court indulgence, in just a moment. Alec, it's your proof. I'm sure there's nothing in this letter to be ashamed of. Uh, I'd rather not do it. Your Honor, Mr.
4: Bell refuses to submit the new evidence. Well,
7: Alice, the first and, and I hope the only time in my life, I'm going to disobey you. It's my letter, and if you won't read it, I will. Mabel. I won't stand by and see you call a liar and a thief.
1: Darling, you don't understand.
7: I'm closing my eyes, Alec. I can't see a word you're saying. Your Honor, may I take the witness, stand? no, no, no. no.
4: letter
1: dated, Mrs. Bell?
7: June 11th, 1875.
1: Will you read it, please?
7: My dearest one, I know now that above everything in life I want you. Without you I am nothing. With you I am complete. Because this is so, I've decided to give up my telephone. This is little enough to do if it means that I will have your arms about me forever if I may call you sweetheart and wife.
1: Go on, Mrs. Bell.
7: The telephone will be born someday, somehow. And so far as I'm concerned, I do not care one bit who gets the glory so long as the world gets the benefit. With all my heart, I am yours, Alec. Your Honor,
1: counsel for the defense? Your Honor, I dare say we have never heard a more tender expression of sentiment. But may I ask what possible bearing a love letter has on whether or not Bell invented the telephone? I can answer that. Mrs. Bell, what kind of paper is that letter written on?
7: It's just ordinary wrapping
4: paper. What's on the back of it?
7: Why, it's a drawing of some apparatus Mr. Bell wanted for his telephone. What else? A stamped acceptance of the order from the Williams Electric Company. It's, it's dated June 3rd, 1875.
1: And this writing here, what is this?
7: And Mr. Williams wrote a note at the bottom asking Mr. Bell to stop in to verify his outline of an, of an apparatus to generate undulating current. Thank you, Mrs. Bell. Can we sit down?
1: Your Honor, know, may I ask, where is this Mr. Williams? Surely he's in court to substantiate his handwriting and signature. Unfortunately, he isn't. And why not? Mr. Williams died in Boston three weeks ago. Oh. How very fortunate, Mr. Bell. How very convenient. Coincidence upon coincidence. Your Honor. Mr. Bell. Your Honor, I have sat here and heard myself called liar. Thief, fraud, cheat. i see seen my friends humiliated. My invention belittled. Just as I've seen my business ruined by methods which must leave every honest man appalled. We protest this interruption, Your Honor. We're here in the interest of truth, Mr. Barrows. I don't think Mr. Bell can do that any great injury. Sit down. Continue, Mr. Bell. Against my wishes, my wife came to this courtroom a little while ago. Also against my wishes, she read a letter intended for her eyes only. I ask that the contents of that letter be ignored because I no longer wish to fight the Battle of Alexander Graham Bell. The issue is much greater. Greater even than the millions involved. And there are millions involved, as the guilty cheeks of the defense indicate. Your Honor, I demand this man be declared in contempt of court. I mean to say what I have to say. The issue is simply this. Shall the lonely scientist, the man who dreams, and out of his dreams benefits the world, is he, that often half-starved, lonely little man... To be told that the world has no need of him the moment his work is done? Is he to be told that others, less gifted but stronger, men with money and power behind them, are waiting to take the product of his mind and turn it to their uses? Leaving him with with liar and thief branded upon him as his only reward? Do that and you stop the clock of progress. You smother the one spark of genius that lies hidden here and there throughout the world. Do that and the world stands still.
0: Your honor. I told you to sit down, Mr. Barrows. Order in this court,
4: please. Is that all you have to say, Mr. Bell?
1: Yes, Your Honor.
0: This case is under advisement.
1: The court is adjourned. Alec. Alec, come here.
4: Uh,
1: it's Mabel. What's the matter? Uh, Darling, what is... Mabel? All of a sudden, she... She collapsed. We've got she, to get her out of here at once. Somebody get an ambulance. An ambulance, quick. Ambulance? But well, there isn't one within 20 blocks of here. we have got a telephone, though. If you know how to use it. A telephone? Where? Quickly, this way. Come with me, Mr. Simon. They want to answer, Alec. No, not yet. Ahoy. Ahoy. Keep trying. I will, but but you better not wait. Get an ambulance. There must be one somewhere. Ahoy. This is Alexander Graham Bell speaking. I want an ambulance. Hurry, please, Mr. Sanders. This fool thing will never work. Ahoy. Ahoy. Why don't you bring her back here to the hotel, Doctor? If she's sick, she still belongs in the hospital. She'll be up and around in a few days, Mr. Bell. Just a recurrence
4: of infection, but we've checked it completely. Now go on in there and see her. Don't look so gloved. Yes, Doctor. Thank you. You see, dear?
7: I told you you didn't have to worry. We can go home at the end of the week, Doug. Eric, what about the trial? You haven't told me a word. What's happened?
1: Oh, it's still under advisement, which probably means we've lost.
7: Would you mind so terribly?
1: I wouldn't, but there are others involved. Your father, Mr. Sanders, Tom Watson. Talking about us again?
7: Mr. Sanders! Papa!
1: You think you're up to one more visitor, dear? He's waiting outside. A visitor? Yes. The president of the Western Union Company.
7: Well, can't keep him waiting, can you? I'll get him.
1: What does he want? Right in here, sir. Mr. Bell? Mrs. Bell? I must apologize for coming here like this, but your father insisted... Go ahead. Break it to them. Well, Mr. Bell? Yes? The Western Union is ready to admit that you and you alone invented the telephone. What? Yes. We're retiring from the field. The fact is, we made a serious mistake in accepting a false report from one of our engineers. After your wife read the letter in court, we made a further investigation. We learned that this engineer not only intended to deny your rights, but injure us as well. Mr. Bell, we're not only willing, but anxious to pay for that mistake. Of course, if you'd consider us as partners, we could offer our wires, rights of way, and other assets. You could. For shall we say, one-fifth interest? Well, I, I don't know what to say. I ought to warn you, you own what is probably the most valuable single patent ever issued. Well, Alec, the prospects look very inviting. I, I I better ask my wife.
7: Darling, you know I never interfere with your business.
1: Well, then, uh, I accept. Thank you, Mr. Bell. Splendid.
7: we will be in Boston in a few minutes, Alec.
1: Yes, home.
7: What's the matter, dear? Aren't you happy? You've everything you wanted and worked for. Yes, darling. And you just keep staring out the window.
1: I, uh, I've been thinking about something. Yes? One day in New York, I walked down to the harbor. I saw a seagull flying, and there was something... something about the curve of its wings. It just occurred to me that... If a bird that's heavier than air can fly, a man might fly, too.
7: What did you say?
1: I said, if a bird that's heavier than air can fly, a man might fly, too.
7: A man might fly? Well, yes. When are you going to start work on it, Mr. Bell?
3: It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The
2: Riley and Kimmy Show.
3: Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them.